We interrupt your regularly scheduled program for some breaking news. In an archaeological excavation in Binondo, a prominent group of historians from the Philippine National Historical Society has unearthed letters and manuscripts believed to be written by Filipino heroes Juan Luna and his younger brother Antonio Luna during the mid to late 19th century. The correspondence between the two brothers during the Spanish colonial era and the Philippine revolutions that follow gives new light to interesting details about the founding history of our nation. These were written originally in a mixture of Tagalog, Spanish, and French, but now have been translated to English. In this special episode of Bananaki Podcast, the hosts, along with a special guest at the end, will read the letters highlighting some of the fascinating pieces of information our textbooks on Philippine history may have missed. Before that, here's a message from our sponsor. Uh, who am I kidding? We don't have a sponsor. Roll intro music! July 15, 1877. Dear Antonio, Greetings from Spain. Kuya Manuel and I were very happy to finally leave the ship after months of sailing. Let's just say that you do not realize how wonderful it is to be standing on firm ground that is not moving until you've experienced seasickness during the middle of a terrible storm. But that was a minor inconvenience that you both do not mind because coming here to study music and painting was one of the best decisions we have ever made in our lives. I've always excelled in painting and drawing, even though I was never as good as Kuya Manuel who influenced me. But even though I have a Bachelor of Arts degree from Ateneo Municipal de Manila, I always felt that I had room to improve, and I have done so here. It's not actually because of Escuela de Bellas Artes de San Fernando, I am not happy with their style of teaching, but enrolling here has not been a loss because it led me to this amazing painter named Don Alejo Vera, who has taught me how to refine my painting skills. Already, I have improved so much, and he says he will bring me to Rome for some commissions and to look at the art of Renaissance painters. I am so excited to produce good paintings someday. I miss you all, Juan. January 1, 1881 Dear Kuya Juan, Happy New Year! How are you and Kuya Manuel doing in Spain? Both of you have certainly inspired me to pursue the same arts degree in Ateneo Municipal de Manila. Will you be able to come and be our guest of honor for my graduation this March? The Dean of Arts is very keen to have you, an internationally renowned artist. Come and inspire the new graduates. Also, the campus has improved a lot since you last came, so I think it will definitely be worth your while. They haven't released my grades, but I'm fairly certain that I aced all my final exams. It also helps that you are popular with my professors. I may have promised some of them to have an exclusive dialogue with you when you're in town. Anyhow, I feel that The skills I learned with my degree is very specific and limited, so I've decided to further my studies in literature and chemistry at the University of Santo Tomas. The school is close to Papa's business in Binondo, so I can help out in my free time. 
it is paying for my tuition after all. Your youngest bro, Antonio. P.S. I wanted to borrow your favorite piña barong Tagalog for the ceremony, but mama said you gave specific instructions not to have it removed from your aparador. May I please? June 26, 1884 Dear Antonio, Last night was the best night of my life. Remember when I won a silver medal for my painting called La Muerte de Cleopatra in 1881 and I thought that was the best night of my life? I thought I couldn't top that but then I won a pensionado scholarship worth 600 pesos annually through the Ayuntamiento of Manila and I thought I couldn't top that but yes, last night, I did. Last year, I started painting on canvas and after 8 months, I finally finished my work of art which I called Spoliarium. Unfortunately, I cannot paint a small version for you in this letter so I will try to describe it as best as I can. I recreated a despoiling scene in a Roman circus where dead gladiators are stripped of weapons and garments. I shipped this painting to Madrid for the year's Exposición Nacional de Bellas Artes. To my surprise, I was a recipient of one of three gold medals awarded in the exhibition. Which brings us to last night. Filipino and Spanish nobles organized an event to celebrate my win and that of another Filipino, Felix Hidalgo, who won a silver medal. My friend Jose Rizal, whom we call Pepe in our circle, gave a touching speech addressing the two significant things of my artwork, which included the glorification of genius and the grandeur of my artistic skills. He also said, and I quote, Luna's spoliarium with its bloody carcasses of slave gladiators being dragged away from the arena where they had entertained their Roman oppressors with their lives, stripped to satisfy the lewd contempt of their Roman persecutors with their honor. End of quote. He means, of course, that my painting perfectly exemplifies the exploitative relationship of Spain towards the Philippines. Pepe has such a way with words. He described my work more beautifully than I painted it. Later that night, he told me that he was inspired to give glory to our country by writing his own spoliarium, so to speak. He is toying with the idea of a book which he will tentatively call Noli Metangere. Based on what I've heard from him, I have no doubt that his book will turn out to be brilliant. I am proud that someone like me could inspire someone like him. Your legit artist brother, Juan. July 20, 1886 Dear Kuya Juan, You must have been surprised to see that this letter came with a French peace and commerce stamp. I am in fact now in Paris, France. The Pasteur Institute invited me to be their science researcher after reading the award-winning paper in chemistry I wrote as a student in Santo Tomas. I am greatly honored to be here working with great scientists from all over the world. I have met your friend Pepe, in a popular tavern here, and I was pleasantly surprised that he too loves fencing and marksmanship, both skills as you know I acquired under the tutelage of Don Martin Cartagena, a major in the Spanish army. He was working as an assistant to Dr. Louis de Wecker, a leading ophthalmologist in Paris. He has since left for Germany to further his studies and finish the novel you helped inspire through the Spoliarium. 
Your friend Pepe is great and all, but I find him annoying and arrogant. He would often woo all the ladies in the tavern by bragging about his ability to speak multiple languages. And so all the other gentlemen are left in the dust. Also, have a read through this message I received from him. And I quote, Speaking of shooting, I am sending you a target containing 10 bullet holes. It was 7.5 meters away from me. At 25 meters, I can put all my shots into a 20 centimeter target. End of quote. What a douche. I will probably reply with his photo as the target and prove that I am a better sharpshooter. If you have a photo of him, please furnish me a copy. Take care always, Antonio. December 6, 1886 Dear Antonio, I am the happiest man alive. I still cannot believe that I am married to Maria de la Paz Pado de Tavera, the love of my life. I keep on thinking how grateful I am that I became friends with her siblings, Felix and Trinidad, or else I would never have met her. Isn't it wonderful how destiny works? One small act that you do differently, and your life would be so much different. Maybe if I had taken a different boat to Spain, it would have led me on a tangent that ended up with me not crossing her path. At the moment, we are honeymooning in Venice. After this, we will travel to Rome before settling down in Paris, where we can meet with you to celebrate Christmas and New Year. While walking around today, I noticed a lot of men looking at her, then at me, and I know that they are jealous of me because this beautiful woman is mine. All mine. Sorry, fellas, but you can't have her. Puzz's husband, Juan. February 6, 1887 Dear Kuya Juan, I wish to express my gratitude again to you and your wife Paz for spending Christmas with me in Paris. You were the perfect cure to my homesickness. By the way, you left behind the cold single-action revolver I gave you as a wedding present. But don't you worry, I have already sent it via courier. Aside from being a wonderful cook, Paz is indeed very beautiful and you have every right to be jealous. This gives all the more reason that you need to be armed with a pistol just in case a lunatic attempts to steal her away from you. It's been almost a year since I started my career in Pasteur Institute and I'm still dumbfounded by how advanced their sciences are. I am currently part of a team studying a serious and often fatal disease called malaria caused by a parasite that commonly infects a certain type of mosquito which feeds on humans. Hopefully, we can fully comprehend this parasite so we can create a cure, potentially saving millions of lives. Love, Antonio. February 9, 1893 Dear Antonio, I still cannot believe she is gone. Your nephew Andres cannot believe this either. He is always crying and looking for his mother. I have to constantly remind him that she is gone that she and his Lola Juliana went to heaven together. He then cries and blames me for that, but I tell him that it's not my fault. It is that of that scoundrel, Monsieur Dussac. I rue the day that he came into our lives. Paz was broken when we lost our daughter, Bibi, so our doctor advised that she needed to take a vacation. I should have come with her and undressed to Mont Dore, but I needed to finish Pupel et Trois, which is a large painting. While she was there, a concerned soul wrote an anonymous letter to me 
claiming that Paz and Monsieur Dussac caused quite a scandal with their overt familiarity at Mont Dore. Naturally, I was enraged and tried to force her to admit to being an adulteress as I held my gun on her. But she lied and refused to confess to infidelity. Instead, she had the audacity to say that she had stopped loving me. I refused to accept this. She is the love of my life and I hers. This is clearly the effect of Doña Juliana putting ideas in her head about how my erratic earnings as an artist had proven me incapable of playing the role of the family man. I am sure she was the one who thought that Monsieur Dussac, President of the Havana Chamber of Commerce and Knight of the Legion of Honor, would somehow be a better man for her. Sure, she did finance our household, but I didn't need her help. From the very beginning, she had always thought I was a vulgar indio and that Paz and I were a bad match. So I got convinced that the best solution is for Paz and Andres and I to move to Spain and start life anew. But when I told Paz this, she said she wanted a divorce. When I went to confront her one day, she refused to open the door of the bedroom where she was hiding with Doña Juliana and Andres. I had no choice but to get my gun and shoot the two women. Yes, in front of my son. So it looks to him that I am at fault, but he doesn't understand that I am not to blame. Even the courts have absolved me of all guilt and acquitted me of charges yesterday on the grounds of crime of passion. Temporary insanity forgives men for killing unfaithful wives. If anyone is to blame, it's her. But I cannot blame her. She is, was, the love of my life. I blame that scoundrel. And so, I need to move to Spain to get away from all these memories. Your heartbroken brother, Juan. August 30, 1896. Dear Kuya Juan, Andres Bonifacio and his Katipunan rose up in arms against the colonial rule at Balintalawak. The Katipuneros have been led to believe that we can only achieve independence through bloodshed. They went to the streets shouting, Punitin ang cedula! Jose Rizal never wanted a violent revolution. His intention for the novels he has written was to inspire patriotism through peaceful reform. That is why, despite him being labeled an enemy of the state and exiled in the Pitan, he still continues to do good for the society. Sure, I hate Pepe's demeanor and have been very vocal about it. He even challenged me to a duel for petty reasons. But despite all this, I still have faith in his method of nationalism and in his conviction that the pen is mightier than the sword. Let us sail back to our beloved Philippines and try to convince the Cateponeros that reform can also be achieved through peaceful nonviolence. Yours sincerely, Antonio. September 16, 1896. Dear Manuel, Antonio and I were arrested by Spanish authorities for allegedly being involved with the Katipunan rebel army, which is ridiculous because we are both advocates of peaceful reform due to Pepe's influence. Do not worry, we are okay. I am still able to produce works of art, even gave one to a visiting priest told me that my popularity in Spain is very likely to get me pardoned by the Spanish courts. I have hoped that I will be released soon so I can travel back to Spain. 
I hope they are kind to Antonio as well. Regards, Juan. January 18, 1897 Dear Kuya Juan, I am relieved to hear that you have been pardoned. Don't worry about me. I am still free to do whatever whilst I am on exile here in Spain. Pepe, however, had the worst misfortune of us all. The rebellion of the Katipunan has been pinned on him, and he was executed by firing squad. He died for our country, fighting for basic human rights, for freedom of thought and expression. I'm starting to doubt that there are peaceful means to this battle. We need to avenge Pepe, your brother, Antonio. June 12, 1898 Dear Antonio, Happy Independence Day! I am so happy that the Philippines is finally free of Spanish rule. Super grateful to our American brothers in arms. Looking forward to our country continuing to benefit from this friendship. I am glad that Pepe's works and his death were not in vain and that they served as fuel to the fire that ultimately burned Spain's colonial rule. Your free brother, Juan. July 4, 1898 My beloved brother Juan, what do you mean by independence? We have been freed from the Spaniards but now we have to receive orders from the Americans? I thought you have a good eye, but it seems you are blind. This is not the freedom Pepe wanted. Now that my exile has been revoked, I will return to the Philippines. I have been honing my skills in marksmanship and military tactics to win the war that will ultimately grant us independence. I will establish a military academy in Malolos, Bulacan and train as many elite soldiers as I can. Your brother in arms, Antonio. July 13, 1898 Dear Antonio, Thank you for opening my eyes. I was blind and now I can see again. You are right. We need to open the eyes of the rest of the world that the Americans are wolf in sheep's clothing. Hence, I am pleased to report that I have been appointed by the Executive Board of the Philippine Revolutionary Government as a member of the Paris delegation which is working for the diplomatic recognition of the Republica Filipina. In this position, I will do my best to cry wolf. Your wolf slayer brother, Juan. June 1, 1899 Dear Kuya Juan, I have been promoted to Lieutenant General and Commander-in-Chief of all Filipino forces in Central Rosan. The Luna sharpshooters I organized proved to be very effective in spearheading major battles against the Americans. I also devised a technique I call the Luna Defense Line. It's a series of trenches made of bamboo spikes which served as an advantage in delaying American troops. Your bro, General Antonio. May 5, 1899 Telegram from Juan Luna to Antonio Luna I heard that you were shot. Stop. Thank God you survived. Stop. Is it true that it's because of an anting-anting? Stop. May 6, 1899. Telegram from Antonio Luna to Juan Luna. No, stop. 
It was a silk belt full of gold coins given by Mama. Stop. It stopped the bullet from penetrating my body. Stop. December 7, 1899. Dear Antonio, I still cannot believe you are gone. I know it's been six months, but there are still mornings when I wake up thinking, I will write a letter to my beloved brother today. Then I remember, and it's like getting doused with a bucket of scalding hot water on my heart each time. Today it happened again, so I thought, why not write that letter anyway? Though I was not there to witness the horrific event, they were told to me in such detail that I sometimes dream of the scenes so vividly. I even see the telegrams you received, including the one from Mr. Emilio Aguinaldo himself, ordering you to go to the new capital at Cabanatuan, Nueva Ecija. You rode a train, a horse, and three carriages. Had you known you were riding to your death, would you have gone to so much trouble, I wonder? Upon reaching, you came across Captain Pedro Hanolino, commander of the Kawit Battalion and your old enemy, whom you had once threatened with arrest for favoring American autonomy. He told you that Aguinaldo had left for San Isidro, so naturally you were angry. Who wouldn't be? You both exchanged heated words which led to a fight, which I am sure you would have won if it was just you two. But some of his men were also there, so it was not a fair fight. Hanolino swung his baldo at your head, then some of his men fired at you while others stabbed you. You tried to fire back at them, and two of your men tried to rush to your aid. But you three were no match for the mob. As you lay dying, you uttered, Cowards! Assassins! While investigations were supposedly made concerning your death, not one person was convicted. Later, General Pantaleon Garcia said that it was he who was verbally ordered by Mr. Aguinaldo to conduct your assassination at Cabanatuan. Aguinaldo would be firm in his stand that he had nothing to do with your assassination, but I do not believe him. I am so angry at this scoundrel who took away the love of my life. Yes, dear brother, I have realized that I was wrong when I thought that Paz was the love of my life. Her loss did not affect me as much as yours did. It did not make my heart hurt so acutely. It almost feels like someone is literally swinging a bolo at it. I am traveling to the Philippines so I can pay my respects to your dead body. And who knows, I might be able to get revenge for what they did to you. At the moment, I am in Hong Kong for a stopover before getting there, but I shall be reunited with you soon. I love you, brother. Juan December 21 1899 Dear Ferdinand Blumentritt, The sad note, the saddest, concerns the death of poor Juan Luna, who died here some days after his arrival from Paris. He arrived on December 3 in good health. He came and lived with us and in the same room with me. On the evening of December 5, he felt a fever and a headache that we all thought was a simple cold. He took a purgative. On the morning of December 6, he was very relieved. He even wrote a letter to his mother. On the evening of the same day, as his bed and mine were close, he talked much over our question of resistance to the Americans who occupied the Philippines and he manifested great opposition to know that his brother had moved to Manila with the permission of Otis. This gave him 
cause for much worry and disgust. And I consoled him by saying that we should wait for fresh news on developments back home before we passed judgment. At the time we knew that they had moved to Manila with the consent and knowledge of Mr. Aguinaldo. Early morning of the 7th, he had a very strong headache that left a few moments after I gave him some remedies. At 7 in the evening of the same day, he had a heart attack without agony and had a tranquil death. You can imagine the pain for us all. Some of my dear friends I have seen pass away. I was affected much by his death such that I felt sick some days after. Recently, we had talked about you and the very pleasant visit that he had. This is a secret between you and me. Keep quiet about this. I send this because my great wish is to personally embrace you and hope to greet your family someday. Your friend, Mariano Ponce. Disclaimer, the letters between Juan and Antonio Luna, which we read in this podcast, are not real and were recreated by the hosts, Ray and D, based on research. Links to their sources are in the show notes. The last letter from Mariano Ponce to Ferdinand Blumentritt, however, was real. This part was read by our guest, Jeric, who hosts the Langa Speaks podcast. Please check out his podcast. If you like this episode, you may also be interested in episode 22, How Did Filipino Chinese Tycoons Build Their Empires? This is a narrative about the inspiring rags-to-riches life stories of two of the richest Filipino Chinese tycoons in Philippine history, John Gokongwei and Henry C. Thanks for listening! 